himself with the one true God. Coming down as a baby to be humble and merciful, to grow up just as we did, sinless. And Lord, we just thank you for dying on a cross, for being humiliated in front of men, the people that you created, to die for us on a cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a promise. In my presence, you're not welcome here. I will never say, I want you with me. I've told you a thousand times, you are not good enough for me. You will never earn my love. You will always be lost. I would die before I would say, you are worth my time. Again and again I have shown you, my presence will always win over my presence. Power, fame, wealth, honor, a new car, a bigger house, happiness, contentment, whatever I give you, it doesn't matter. You will never be satisfied without my presence. Without my presence, you will never be satisfied. It doesn't matter whatever I give you. Happiness, contentment, a new car, a bigger house, wealth, honor, power, fame. My presence will always win over my presence. I have shown you again and again, you are worth my time. I would die before I would say, you will always be lost. You will never earn my love. You are not good enough for me. A thousand times I have told you, I want you with me. I will never say you're not welcome here. In my presence, there is a promise. If you saw that for the first time this morning at the beginning, you're going, ooh, yuck, I don't like that. I don't know. That's not true. Wait a minute. But you know, in our culture, that first message as it went down the first time is, is really what we hear. Is, is really it's things, it's stuff, it's, it's all of, all of the, the wealth of, of life that, that gives us promise and, and hope in, in our world today. And, and there are people out there that think that God doesn't care for them, that in fact that He could care less about them. And and that he doesn't like them, and, and it, it, it's his um, goal in life to make life miserable for everybody. But that's not true. And as it reversed and it went back the other way, we see the promises that, that we are given by God um, from his presence. Not presences in stuff, but presence as him being with us. And last week we saw that, that God not only came down as Emmanuel, but God with us, but, but that Jesus left. Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving you, and it's a good thing. Because when I leave, I'm going to send someone to... I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send a counselor. And, and Jesus said some words last week that we saw that, that were different than God being with us, didn't he? 
Um, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, comes, He will be in you. That He will be in us. And that we have the very presence of God in the form of the Holy Spirit inside of us as our guide, as our strength, as uh, wisdom, um, hope, peace, all of those things. And, and we need to remember that as we focus on the promise of His presence. Now, there was a Sunday school teacher and she asked all of her little kindergarten boys and girls what they knew about God. And a little boy shot up his hand and he said, I know, God is an artist. And the teacher said, well, that's interesting. How do you know that, that God is an artist? And he says, you know, our Father who does art in heaven, right? You know, it's, it's true though, isn't it? That, that God is creator of, of all things. And, and, and we need to remember that. But a question I've been asking myself the last two weeks is when we think about the Christmas season, as we think about God, has the wonder left the building? Is there any wonder left in your life? Are you amazed about things in your life? Or do you just kind of think that you got it all figured out and, and that you know everything? Because, you know, as humanity, since, since the time of the Enlightenment and, and the advances in science and technology and, 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 and everything, optics, we kind of think we have a pretty good handle on most everything. At least that's kind of the impression that I get, that there aren't a lot of questions left. You know, we're trying to figure things out, but we pretty much know how everything works, right? And if you don't know how everything works, all you do, all you have to do is pull out your phone, bring up Google, and ask, right? And then you have the answer. Now, I, I do that all the time. I want to know the answer to a question. I Ask Siri, or I put it into Google, and, and then I have the answer. And so I'm not left to be curious anymore. I've got the answer. I, I know. And in our culture, I think we've, our, our heads have gotten a little bit big when it comes to that. Do, do we ever, uh, are we ever amazed about anything in, anymore? In, in the trailer, in your worship folder, I, I mentioned the entertainment industry and how with, with computer graphics and all of that, how they can, they can make up anything. I mean, they, they hardly even need people actors anymore. They can, they can just create it all right there on a computer screen and it looks real. You know, you see, you see amazing planets that do or don't exist on, on the silver screen and, and, and you see amazing pictures of nature. Sometimes when you're looking at pictures on the internet, right, you wonder if they're real. You, you wonder if they're real or if they were computer generated somehow because sometimes they look too good to be true, Right? Uh, I, I pulled out a Pinnacle Bank calendar last week and I was looking through the pictures and, and they're all from the state of Wyoming. They have this big contest and, and there are a couple of them that just, they just, I mean, Wyoming is an amazing, beautiful state. And, and there's this one that is just, um, it's awe-inspiring. It's beautiful and it's real. I mean, God is amazing. When when I was when we were on when I was on sabbatical, I took my family and we went to Denver for a weekend, and we went to the aquarium and we went to the Museum of Natural History. At least that's what it used to be called. I think it's called something different now. But um, we went in there, and of course, 
you know, in the aquarium, there's all the fish and all of that. And, and we went through, it took like half an hour to go. I was kind of disappointed in the aquarium, to be honest with you. Um, it didn't take very long. And, and uh, you know, most of the fish were kind of tiny, small. You know, there weren't any big fish. Um, but uh, the colors and all of that were amazing. But, but we looked at all the fish and we went through and, you know, we read a few of the signs. And, and then we, we got to the end, right? And, and I think we kind of live our lives that way. You know, we didn't stop and, and really, really wonder and be amazed at the seahorses, for instance. I mean, you know, seahorses are really small, and they're pretty cool, and they're pretty incredible. Um, but we just glanced at them, and then we moved on to the next thing. Well, when we went to the Museum of Natural History, I spent a, a few more minutes than my family did in the whale section. It's their new exhibit, right? And, and they actually have the skeleton of, of a whale. And I don't think it's a gray whale. I think it's a humpback whale that they have in the museum. I don't remember. But um, I was reading about the blue whales and, and how massively huge and enormous they are. And I was amazed. I mean, really was amazed. And I, I, I read and I studied and I looked and I stared and I imagined this this big animal out in the ocean, and, and not only the animal, but the God that created the animal with the breath of his mouth, spoke it into existence. And, and I wonder how often do we actually wonder and sit in amazement about things in life today? Or do we just go through our normal day and we know everything we're doing and we get comfortable with that and, and we just, it's just day after day after day after day after day. How often do we just sit, rest, and think about something that we don't understand and that we're amazed by? And that is our God. He is amazing, and we do not understand Him. Now, we, we think we have things figured out. You know, there were lots of things in the museum. Well, this happened this way, and, and this happened this way, and, you know, ten quadrillion billion years ago, this happened, and, and then this happened, and then they have all these bones of the dinosaurs, and they tell you how old those are, and, and I don't doubt that the bones are real, at least some of them. You have to be cautious when you go to the museum, because not all of those bones are actual bones that they dug up out of the ground. It, it says on the little plaque right there, it says what percent of the thing that you're looking at is actual real bones that they found. Some of them are in the 80 to 85%. And, and even as a family, we were discussing, yeah, okay, I can see that. I believe that that's what it looked like. Some of them were around the 25 to 30%, and it's like, it's like they make up the rest. And, and then they slap a name on it, and they say, it, it was this many million years ago. And, and do I believe there were dinosaurs? Yes, I do. But I believe that they walked in the time between when God created man and when the flood occurred. Okay? We could argue that if we want later. That's not a part of this message. But, but still standing there in amazement at things that God has created. But we kind of made quick work of the museum, too. You know, my, I mean, we just sort of went from one thing to the next and honestly, I was kind of tired by that time and I just wanted to get through it. Brittany's shaking her head, yes. Um, but we do that on vacations too, don't we? I mean, when let, let's say we're going to go to Disneyland, right? And we're going to drive. We're going to drive to Disneyland. So what do all of the dads in the room think? 
we got to get there as fast as we can, right? We're going to push and go as hard as we can the first day. You know, we got to get up early. Um, oh, yeah, there's the Grand Canyon. Oh, let's pull over. 15 minutes, snap a few pictures, jump back in the car, and, and head on to Disneyland, right? We hit the gates right when they open because we don't want to waste any money. We want to be there the entire time they're open. And we rush from ride to ride if you're lucky and don't have to stand for an hour and a half in line. And then what do you do? Do you wonder in amazement of, of you know, the, the, how the machines work and all of that? I do sometimes, but usually it's just grumbling and complaining about having to stand in line for an hour and a half. Um, but we sort of live our whole life that way, don't we? It's one thing to the next to the next to the next, and we don't take time to step back and say, you know what? Uh, let me just, let's just stand and be amazed at what God has made. And, and that's what I hope to accomplish here today as we um, look at the promise of His presence and we experience the wonder. So what about you? Do you still wonder about things? Do, do you take the time to be amazed with things? Do you look into a morning sunset or see a picture of the, of the universe or of, of something small, and I mean really small organisms, I mean, that have been super magnified and pictures have been taken of them and just go, wow, I didn't even know that existed. And it's alive. Isn't God amazing from the smallest to the biggest? I mean, think about it, really, as we think about the Christmas story. A virgin? I mean, really, God? Um, angels that people saw with their very own eyes. Pagan kings from another country that, that come and, and are searching out what, what prophecies have said for so many years and find the baby Jesus. I mean, there, there are thousand-year-old prophecies. There, there are things which we don't have an answer for. We try. Sometimes, you know, Christians, I think, are notorious for this. Sometimes when we don't know the answer to something, we just make it up, right? We just, we just, we just say something that sounds good. Uh, my son is really good at that. He's really smart, off the cuff, and, and when you ask him a question, he could come up with something that is so believable that you have to kind of sort of ask him again, really? Are, are, you, are you telling me the truth? Nah, I'm just kidding you, right? Oh, well, you had me. I mean, I would have believed it. Um, we, we sometimes tend to do that. But, but God is so great. And, and He's about to do something amazing in the life of Mary, and we're going to look at that. And then if you want to turn to, to Luke chapter 1 and, and, and get there, we're going to read that here in a few moments. But we have this young teenage girl who's, who's, who's rather ordinary and not real remarkable according to the standards of her culture, anyway. And, and God is about... To, to take her and do something totally and completely unexpected in her life. In, in fact, it seems as if God is calling her to the impossible. Now, how would we have responded if we were in Mary's situation? Um, or Joseph's, for instance. Let's, let's put ourselves in their situation, right? God comes to Mary through an, an angel and says, Mary, you're going to have a child. And Mary's like, uh... There's a problem here. I'm a virgin. I can't have a child. And the angel says, no, it's, it's going to be a miracle. You're going you're to have a child. And then Mary takes that message, and of course then 
she becomes pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And then she goes to Joseph and says, Hey, Joseph, guess what? I'm pregnant, but, but I've never had sex. What would your reaction if you were Joseph be? <laughs> I mean, really. What would it be? You're lying to me. I mean, who is it? Who's the father of this child? And there's going to be this wrestling period, right? There's going to be this doubt. And, and, and I just, it's like, God, why? why? Why this way? I'm amazed by that. This unexpected, when, when these big things happen. And, and, and how, how do we respond when big things happen in our lives? I mean, is it possible that we're so busy and so entertained that we could be missing out on the miraculous on a daily basis? Mary did some serious considering in her life, didn't she? I mean, there was no denying what was happening to her body, and she knew. She knew the truth of what was going on in her life. Well, most of the people didn't, and of course Joseph believed it eventually because he was given a dream by God. Unbelievable, amazing, fascinating, marvelous, astonishing work of God is happening to Mary. And happened to Mary. Now, when God was working in and around Mary, there were, there were essentially two responses that Mary could have had. One, one is probably the first response that I have just before I set off to Google something or try to find the answer to something. It's, it's a moment of perplexity and curiosity. I, I don't understand what's going on. I don't get it. There's, there's doubt of the situation. And, and uh, it, it's, it's this uncertainty, this disbelief or skepticism about something. The A of wonder in your notes is the sense of uncertainty. That could have been one response that Mary had. Just, just complete and total uncertainty about the whole situation. I just don't, I just don't understand it. And, and the second response that Mary could have had is also a form of wonder, but this form of wonder is, is this, the emotion aroused by something awe-inspiring or astounding. Um, the B of wonder is amazement. Amazement. This was the response that Mary had most often, was amazement. I mean, there was no, there was no making this stuff up in her life. But in our busy, rushed lives, we often don't slow down enough to really stand in awe of something. Let's, let's read in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Perplexity. What is this all about? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. Not a bad question, right? I mean... 
they knew about biology in those days. They, they knew how babies were made. And Mary's thinking, it's not a possibility. So how is this going to happen? Well, Gabriel answers it. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You see, if Jesus had been the Son of Man, there would have been no hope for us. Just as sin entered the world by one man, Adam, and is transferred man to man to man to man. People, I mean, not just men. That had to be broken in order for there to be a human that was perfect enough to be the sacrifice to pay for all sin. And therefore, Jesus could not have a human father. The father was the Holy Spirit. Even Elizabeth, the angel goes on, for for further information and amazement, Mary, get this. Uh, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Okay, nothing is impossible with God. He can do whatever He wants. He can create all of creation with with the the voice of His mouth. He he could wipe it all out if, if that's what He so desired to do. And even an old woman who has been barren into her 70s is pregnant now with a child in her sixth month, Mary. You should go check it out. See that God does what God says He's going to do. And, and, and a part of the amazement for me in all of this is just how those things, all of the things of the Christmas story line up with the prophecies that happened a thousand years ago. God said, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And then, it happens. And, and it's not just like one person making all of this happen. You've got, you've got kings, and you've got, you've got magi, and you've got shepherds, and <coughs> the census, and all of that. It's just all God, God is setting it into motion. And that amazes me. And then Mary says this. Now we talked about what would our responses be. I'm fairly certain I could be wrong. I hope that I'm wrong. That my, my response would not be this one. I mean, Mary says, May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. I, whatever God wants, I'm his servant. May it be as you have said. And then all she has to do is wait, right? And she knows if it's true. And finds out that it is. And then if you flip to the next chapter and you look at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15, the angels have just appeared before the shepherds. And it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. All who heard the story of the shepherds were what? amazed. Wait a minute. Could it be? Is it happening in our time? But Mary treasured, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. In her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
You see, the first reason we have this morning to wonder as we consider the promise of His presence with us is that nothing is impossible with God. I mean, I mean nothing. I mean, do you ever just, ever just sit and just think? Okay, so there was this virgin and she became pregnant. But that was through the Holy Spirit. Oh, God works in amazing ways within history, within nature, within people. And then all of these other things were set into motion. Oh, It seems too good to be true. But it's not. Because it happened. We have recorded history that God did these things. And, and as we lead up to Christmas Day, my prayer for us is that in the next 11 days that, that we each take time every day to think about how amazing God is and what amazing things He's done for you and for me. Nothing is impossible with God. I mean, do you ever, do you ever wonder about that? I mean, of course there's uncertainty and disbelief, right? That's the one kind of wonder we can have when it comes to God doing the impossible. Um, last week I shared about my mom's uh, struggle with cancer and, and her death, and many times I have wondered, I have asked the question, why? Why did that happen? Why did, did God not cure her? Why did He not heal her? I, I don't know the answer to that. And so there's a sense of, of wonder, of uncertainty, of, of question. Why? When things occur in our lives that we don't understand, do we face them out of disbelief that God is capable to see us through those things? Or is there another place that we go in those times? Yes, Mary was perplexed in verse 29, but the angel gave her the description and she was like, okay, here we go. Or... Do we see that nothing is impossible with God with amazement? And are we awe-inspired by that thought? By considering that? I mean, there are over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus' coming. 300 predictions that, of course, God gave to prophets and, and to people. But the statistics are crazy, at, at, if that's even possible for one person to, to fulfill that many prophecies. And then, of course, we know that Zechariah was told of, of his wife's impending pregnancy when he was serving in the temple that one time a year that, that his tribe came up and they drew all of those lots and it just happened to be Zechariah. Elizabeth's pregnancy and Mary's pregnancy and the census issued by Caesar so that they'd be in the right place at the right time and, and the star and it just goes on and on and on and on. And I, it, my son sent me a text message here a week ago and he said, I'm about to go in for a calculus exam. Wish me luck. 
And if you've ever talked to me, you know that I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in coincidence. I said, well, good luck, and I'm going to pray for you right now. And my prayer was that the Lord would help him and his nerves to be at peace and have the presence to recall the things that he had studied. Not that he would remember things that he had never studied and that answers would come out of thin air, right? But that God would see him through the test. I'm not going to tell you what he got on the test because he'd be really upset if I did. Okay, I'll tell you. I think, yeah, he got a 98 on that calculus test, so... Nothing, he's a lot smarter than me, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Now, don't get me wrong when I say that nothing is impossible with God, because sometimes when a preacher says that, people think, yeah, but you you don't know how hard things are in my situation. You know, it's easy to say nothing is impossible with God and then to trust him with that. And that's true. And, and I don't want to minimize problems either because, you know, it's like uh, Adam gave me this illustration this week. He says, it's like, like you're standing before a cliff and, and, you know, it's a 200-foot cliff and it's really, really big, right? And, and you're looking up there and, and that might be your problem and it's like, wow, this is a huge, enormous problem. And then you think about God, that nothing is impossible with God, right? And, and He is so transcendent of that cliff he is so much greater than that cliff that it means nothing to him. That, that, that he can do whatever he wants with that cliff. But that doesn't negate the fact that you or I are standing at the foot of that cliff and it's 200 feet tall. What that means is not that we don't have a big problem, but that we have a really big God and we can trust him even in the midst of that really big cliff that's standing before us. It's a matter of perspective. And, and attitude, really. And I think there were some really, really big problems for Mary and Joseph. Let me tell you what. Twitter and Facebook and the paparazzi would have a field day with their situation in our culture today, wouldn't they? Everybody would know what was going on. That, that, that here's this young couple and, and if... You know, people related the fact that Joseph was of the line of David and and made some big issue of that. Everybody would draw their own conclusions, right, before finding out the facts. And, And we know the facts today, but if we were alive in their culture and they told us what was going on, would we have believed them? I'm not so sure. So life was probably pretty tough for them. But Mary, Mary just continued to just trust and be obedient. Turn back in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. We're going to go back to Luke 2, so if you want to keep your finger in there. Um, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. And there's this rich young ruler that comes up and asks Jesus a question. And, and he asks it in verse 16. He says, now, um, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And here's Jesus' answer. Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. 
What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, think about those two pictures right there. Right? You've got a rich man, impossible for him to enter the kingdom of God. What does Jesus mean by that? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, there's a couple different descriptions that people give, but, but you know, I always think of, the, have you ever tried to thread a needle with just thread? Could you imagine trying to thread a needle with a camel? Right? You're out on the end of his nose and you take a little bit of his hairs and you go like this and then you hold the needle up there. Right? That's how hard. Impossible. Right? And, and the disciples are like, that's their response. When the disciples heard this, verse 25, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? If a rich man can't be saved, in their culture, no way us low-life Common folk could be saved. So Jesus looked at them and he said this, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Christmas Day is just 11 days away. Let's take time to wonder and be amazed at how God can do the impossible and how He did the impossible. A virgin was pregnant for crying out loud. That's impossible, right? (laughs) It happened. God did the impossible. Let's take time to wonder. The second reason for us to wonder about God is that Jesus is the Savior of all. Jesus is the Savior of all. But the angel said to them in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. He said that to the shepherds. In verse 28, we didn't go through this story, but there was a man who God had promised that he would be able to see the Messiah before he died. His name was Simeon. And when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to be blessed, it says in verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. It is for all people. Now, I want you to think about this. It is for you and it is for me. Have you ever sat down and, and thought, I'm saved. I, I'm, I'm going to be in heaven. If you have professed, if you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, Romans says that you will be saved. In 1 John, John says, I tell you these things so that you may know that you are saved. So we can know. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, I know. And, and as I've thought about this week, it's like how often do I sit in, in amazement that God has saved me? That me. And, and how that all happened. Miraculous. Supernatural. 
Let's wonder about that. And, you know, so there's two options of wonder when it comes to salvation. There's uncertainty. You might be sitting here this morning asking, would he... Did he really die for me? Did he really do that? And, and how does that happen? You know, how does that apply to my own life? I mean, I've done some pretty bad things. I've said some pretty bad stuff. I've thought some pretty awful things. Made some pretty poor decisions. I'm not so sure that God would care to forgive me. But we just read that Jesus died for all people. Let me remind you of a few people in, in the Bible that maybe you hadn't thought of before in relation to this. There's King David, who was an adulterer. He arranged a murder. He directly disobeyed God by taking a census of the people. I mean, David made some pretty lousy decisions in his life. But then we see that he was considered the greatest king of Israel. He's the ancestor of Jesus himself. He's listed in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, and he's described by God himself as a man after God's own heart in 1 Samuel chapter 13. There is redemption. God can do the impossible, and he did it in the life of David. And he can do it in your life. What about Moses? Moses is up there with David. He killed somebody too, a guard, an Egyptian guard. Moses was a murderer. He, was, he doubted his abilities. He outright was disobedient to God, and he missed the promised land. I mean, the pinnacle of, of, of the exodus, right? And, and Moses missed it because, well, he, he was stupid. I mean, he just... But did God write him off? No. Moses is considered one of the greatest Jewish leaders ever. He recorded the Ten Commandments and the Pentateuch, which is the first five Old Testament books, and he led the people out of Israel. I mean, think about that. If, if you think you're beyond help... I would say you're, you're, you know, if these guys are tens, you're like six or seven in need of help or ability to help. And, and then there's Peter who denied Jesus three times. He, he stuck his foot in his mouth constantly. He, he lacked faith over and over and over and over and over again when Jesus was walking the earth. Yet, Jesus said that it was on this rock, Peter, that I will build my church. God can do the impossible. He did it in their lives. He can do it in your life as He has done it in my life. So how about you this morning? Is there something in your life that you don't believe God could forgive you of? Well, that is a lie from the pit of hell because Jesus came as Savior for all. And it could be that He's calling your name right here this morning. Won't you believe? So... That's wonder kind of in disbelief. There's wonder as amazement is where we can be. And, and that was where the shepherds were when, when, when the angels came to them. I mean, the first public announcement of Christ coming, the Messiah coming, was who? To the shepherds. The, the, the lowly, common, hardworking, stinky group of people. Literally stinking group of people. That's who received the announcement. Don't think that others don't think that you need to have extraordinary qualifications or you have to be at a certain place before God could forgive you because that's simply not true. Simeon confirms again that Jesus came for all. Our salvation is something we can certainly wonder about. 
I want to read you a story. After years of street violence, drug use, and thievery, Fernando Ferni Aranda was sent to prison to serve a 25-year-to-life sentence. But prison didn't change Fernie. He His life behind bars matched his life out on the streets. In fact, he was uh, suspected of killing three fellow inmates. But Fernie's defiance in prison ended when his 70-year-old mother came to visit him in prison. She broke down in tears and said, I don't want to die seeing you in this condition. And it so moved him to his heart that he broke down himself and he offered a simple prayer to God that day. And I, this is not a suggestion of a prayer that we should offer God. This is Fernie's story. This is what Fernie said. Oh God, if you'll get me out of this hellhole, I promise I'll serve you for the rest of your life, uh, the rest of my life. One year later, after serving only 13 years of his sentence, Fernie was given an unexpected surprise. He was released from prison. And as is the case with many inmates, sadly, Fernie fell right back into his old lifestyle. His old friends were there waiting for him. Um, He got tied in with them again, and it wasn't long before he was doing drugs. But when he and a friend were out looking for looking to score more drugs after a three-day celebratory binge, Fernie's friend noticed that the drug task enforcement was out on the street. And if Fernie was caught with drugs in his system, he faced a return to prison. So he had only one option. Run. And that's what he did. Now, he found a crowd of people and he ran into this nearby park to seek cover with them. And once there, something unexpected happened. Something that would forever change his life. Uh, Jim Cimbala writes about this moment in his book, You Were Made for More. This is what he says. Soon a man came up to Fernie and said with no introduction, Hey, guess what? Jesus loves you. Fernie was repulsed. He immediately turned to leave, but as he did, he glimpsed the police coming toward him. He decided his best option was to dive back into the crowd, which was actually a street rally sponsored by a group called Victory Outreach Ministry. What happened next defies prediction, as Fernie tells it. I'd never seen any of these people in my life, but a young man named Louie approached me next. He looked sort of like the Marlboro Man. Big muscles, big mustache. He walked up to me and boldly said, Hey, bro, don't you remember the day you prayed in your prison cell that if God would release you from that hellhole, you'd serve Him the rest of your life? I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. How could this man know anything about my prayer? I suddenly felt I was no longer hearing the voice of man. It was the voice of God. Before Fernie could reply, the man pointed his finger right between his eyes and he said, and you know what you have to do. This was enough to make Fernando Aranda crumple to his knees there on the grass. He began to weep. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me all my sins. The power of God was driving this tough criminal to the point of full surrender. That day, Fernie was placed in one of the homes provided by Victory Outreach Ministries where he could be discipled along with other men with similar problems. Symbola closes out Fernie's story with one final note. Fernie's mother eventually came to see him there and her prior glimpse of him in, sh- in prison shackles turned out not to be her final view after all. God can do the impossible. Those friends that you have who you think there's no way they would ever be interested, God can do the impossible. What we think is impossible, God can do it. And that is something certainly to wonder about. 
The third thing for us to wonder and amazement concerning, and, and I just want to briefly mention this one because there's not much more to say about it, is, is the miraculous and the prophetic. The miraculous and the prophetic. The, visions, the visitations from the angels, a young virgin a woman pregnant, Joseph, has a dream, the prophecies, I mean, a star, pagan seekers, I mean, it goes on and on and on. We're going to look further into that a little bit next week. But won't we all this week and next week take some extra time to think about what it means for us to be amazed and to wonder about God? Because we don't have all the answers. And that's okay. We can stand in wonder. I want to leave you with these last few verses. It's it's from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. It says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom... His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To Him be the glory. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more. To Him who is in us. Let's wonder about that. How does that work? He's there. I know He's there. So as we continue in this process of standing in and on the promise of God's presence, let's focus this week in our lives on being amazed and awe-inspired by the works of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank You this morning thank you for your amazing word and Father I pray that for each one of us in our everyday lives that you would help us to be intentional about being amazed and, and being in wonder about you this week in a culture where we're bombarded with so many wonderful things so many creative things Lord, help us to not just snap a few pictures and move on, but to take time to be awed and to wonder about how you came and saved us and how you are working in our very lives this moment in time today. In Jesus' name, amen.